Hey there, welcome back to the podcast. This is Jonathan Edwards with pureandsimplebible.com. I'm very thankful that you're here, and I'm very grateful to have this opportunity to study the Bible with you. Now, my dad is back on the podcast, Doug Edwards, one of my favorites, and yes, it is because of nepotism, but also it is because my dad is a great, he is a great preacher, great Bible student, and I really enjoy talking about the Bible with him. So dad has brought a Bible study today called Killing Enemies, and if that doesn't raise your eyebrow, I'm not sure what will. But it's a great study from the Old Testament with wonderful New Testament applications in the spiritual age. So I want you to study the Bible with us in 1 Kings chapter 2, but also be open-minded to the spiritual applications that we're going to make in the Christian era. We ready? Let's jump in, shall we? You've already recorded with me, Dad, so people already, if they didn't know you before, they, mm-hmm. before the podcast and they've they've been able to listen to a few episodes um in fact i listened to one of ours on the road trip out to california the one on sour grapes I've, I've had a lot of good feedback from that one in ezekiel so your that's good your preaching in ezekiel has been very helpful for me that's good I'm glad um you've brought in a study today called killing enemies and maybe that might raise an eyebrow or two with uh People don't know where we're going with it. So uh, we're going to study in the Old Testament. And you begin your study with establishing the how last-minute advice is, is kind of a common practice. So why don't you start there and, and kind of build for us this idea of giving last-minute advice. Giving last-minute advice is a, a pretty common thing. I think most of us probably do it. Nobody recognizes that we're doing it. If, if we're going on a trip, you know, sometimes we may have somebody look after our house. Right. And just before we leave, we may say, now, remember to water the lawn, remember to turn the lights on or whatever. Remember to take the trash out. With our kids, you know, if they go off to spend time with someone at the last minute, we say, now, remember whose son you are. Yeah, <laughs> remember who you are. <laughs> remember who you belong to. We give last minute advice and a lot of things. Sometimes people give last-minute advice on their deathbeds, and that's particularly true of King David. And that's, mm. the, that's the intent of this story, to look at some last-minute advice that David gave to Solomon when Solomon was about to become the king over all of Israel. Now, Sol- David knew that, that Solomon was very young and was inexperienced. And he wasn't well trained in the daily battle of politics. And so he had some things to say to him before before he died. And this is pre pre wisdom, right? So in Solomon's reign, does all of this happen before his wisdom blessing, or is it happen kind of in the middle of it? Or when does he get that, that blessing from the Lord? I would say that the things that we're going to talk about happened before his wisdom uh-huh. blessing. This happened very quickly, okay. Almost immediately after he was, he was anointed king. So there, you know, we get the benefit of hindsight of seeing Solomon's very long reign and and how powerful he became, and uh, that that he is going to get that special wisdom from the Lord whenever God asks him what he wants. But 
at this part in his life, he's probably a nervous young man who's feels overwhelmed with with everything that's going on. And so David gives him uh, this advice. Now you, we're we're in Second Kings two, and uh, First Kings two. Oh, thank you. Yeah, First Kings two, verse one through nine. And I, when I was looking through your notes. You know, he gives them these these two pieces of advice. It kind of starts off really nice, you know, the mm-hmm. way that any father would tell their son, uh, obey the law. Yeah. Right? In First Kings chapter 2 and verse 3, David says, And keep the charge of the Lord your God to walk in his ways, to keep his statutes, his commandments, his judgments, and his testimonies, as it is written in the law of Moses, that you may prosper and that all that you do and wherever you turn. Mm-hmm. Now, that's that's great advice. Yeah. Any father should give his son that or his children that advice. Follow God's laws. Now, this was particularly important for kings mm-hmm. because kings, you know, were representations of, of the nation, of right. the people. Right. First Kings chapter, or rather in Deuteronomy chapter 17, God gives some advice to the future kings of Israel. They were not to to obtain lots of horses and chariots. They weren't to have a lot of wives. They weren't to follow silver and gold. Well, if you study the story of Solomon later on, you'll see that he violated all of those. Right. But this was what God required of his kings. But right after saying that, God said, you also are to become very well versed in the law. Mm -hmm. You're to write the law down. You are to be the epitome of God's person to your kingdom. So it was extremely important for kings to be followers of the law because that filtered down all the way to the common people. Right. And all they were to be good examples. And so that was the first bit of example, first bit of advice that he gave him. So follow the law as or so goes the king. Hold on. Let's see. As as goes the king, so goes the kingdom. I'm not sure how to phrase it properly, but the way the king goes, the kingdom follows. Yeah. We, we find that in the Old Testament histories every time. It, it never really even talks about the nation. It'll just say it was a good king or it was a wicked king, yeah. and we're left to assume that the people just followed, yeah. for the most part, his... That's true, especially as you read the histories of the, the Judean kings that came after Solomon with Rehoboam and going through all those different kings mm-hmm. in, in Judah. There were some that were good. There were some that bad. And Israel seemed to do, or rather Judah seemed to do pretty well when they had a God-fearing king. And they seemed to suffer when they had a, a king that didn't fear God. And that mm-hmm. again filtered down to the rest of the people. They, yeah. they followed in the steps of their, their king. Well, while this first last minute advice seems rather normal, I doubt many of us will get the second piece of advice from our our parents that that Solomon gets from David. What does David tell him for his second last minute advice? It's not advice we give today. <laughs> I'll tell you that. It's it's not really a joking matter. We may kind of laugh about it, but it was a very serious thing. David told Solomon, "Kill our enemies mm-hmm. get rid of our enemies and he mentions two specifically by name first one that he mentions is joab and he says in verse five moreover you know also what joab the son of zeruah did to me and what he did to the two commanders of the armies of israel to abner the son of ner 
and Amasa, the son of Jether, whom he killed. And when he shed the blood of war in peacetime and put the blood of war on his belt that was around his waist and on the sandals that were on his feet, therefore do according to your wisdom and do not let his gray hair go down to the grave in peace. Mm. I think what David is saying is don't let him die a natural death. Yeah. He must be executed. Right. He must be taken out of the picture. He is an enemy, in essence, is what he's saying. And again, I just want to maybe repeat for my own sake, as well as the listener, that Solomon is not the gifted, wise king when he's hearing this instruction. And so I imagine he's feeling overwhelmed. Plus, we'll talk more about Joab in a bit, but specifically Joab, so much there's so much history with him that I'm sure that Solomon thought that was a really tall order to to obey this this last minute advice. I'm sure it would be somewhat intimidating, you know, for a young man to think about having to fulfill these these types of requests. This isn't just set so and so over this department and do this to do that. This is take out an enemy. Mm. Get rid of one of our enemies mm-hmm. who's done some bad things. Yeah. But uh, Joab was not the only one. He also had a second enemy that he wanted to take care of. And in verse 8, David said, And see you have with you Shemai, the son of Gera, the Benjamite from Bahurim, who cursed me with a malicious curse in the day when I went to Mahanaim. But he came down to meet me at the Jordan, and I swore to him by the Lord, saying, I will not put you to death with the sword. Now therefore do not hold him guiltless, for you are a wise man and know what you ought to do to him. But bring his gray hair down to the grave with blood. Now this is the second enemy that David says to Solomon, you must execute. Yeah. You need to get rid of this guy. Yeah. This man is trouble. Uh-huh. Now you have more names. Um, some of these, like you just mentioned, Joab and Shimei, he named specifically. But what we're going to study is that there's there's more than just these two. There's um, Adonijah and Abiathar are, are going to make their way onto the list. Now, David didn't say to execute those. Did he did he say anything about them uh, or did it just that they got on Were they added to the list as they ended up bad characters? I think they were probably added to the list. The, the, there's no indication, at least in the, the scriptures, of David telling Solomon to execute those two men. Mm-hmm. If you look at uh, verse 10, it says, So David rested with his fathers, and he was buried in the city of David. Verse 12 says, And Solomon sat on the throne of his father David, and his kingdom was firmly established. Now, I think that's a key phrase right there, his kingdom was firmly established. What he's doing is to establish his kingdom. And his executing these enemies was a part of firmly establishing his kingdom. Mm-hmm. Now, those two names that you mentioned, they'll be found in the remaining part of 1 Kings chapter 2. In fact, in 1 Kings chapter 2, beginning in verse 13, through the rest of the chapter, there are four enemies of Solomon's kingdom that are expressly mentioned as either being executed or exiled. Okay. And, and that is Adonijah, number one, Abiathar, number two, Joab, number three, and Shemai, number four. 
It's an interesting study just to look at each one and see who he was and what was the threat that he presented to the kingdom. Yeah, and, and so if we take a few minutes to do that and, and look at each one, I know some people will know these names. Other people maybe are, are not as familiar with the Old Testament or familiar with some of these minor characters, and so it, it might be helpful if we kind of take a minute to explain them in context. And since you started with Adonijah, could we begin with maybe rewinding a bit and you telling us who he is and, and how we get to this part in the narrative? Okay, Adonijah is the oldest living son of David at this point. Okay. In First Chronicles chapter 3, the Bible lists all the names of David's sons. Mm -hmm. There were six sons born in Hebron, his oldest sons, and then I believe there was like 13 mentioned that are born in Jerusalem, including right. Solomon. Solomon was not David's oldest son. The oldest, David's oldest son was a fellow named Amnon. Right. He had a second son named Daniel, a third son named Absalom, uh -huh. and then a fourth son named Adonijah. Right. At this time that these events are taking place, the first three sons of David, the oldest three, are dead. Amnon, remember, was killed by right. Absalom and his men. The second son, Daniel, is a little more mysterious because nothing is mentioned about him, and Bible scholars believe and perhaps assume that he's already dead at this point. Right, maybe they don't died know as if a he died as something. a baby, yeah. as a, in his youth, or even as older, but they just assume he's dead. Okay. Third son was named Absalom, and we know his right. story. He had a rebellion. He led the rebellion against David, and in that rebellion, he was killed by Absalom and the soldiers that gathered around him, and they threw darts in his heart. Mm -hmm. So that leaves Adonijah as the oldest living son of David. Does that give him firstborn rights in the law? Not but in the law. Does it? I didn't know if it passed down. If you're, yeah. you know, uh, maybe since he's the first living, he might. But but even if it's not in the law. There's probably some I'm the oldest sort of a mentality going on, right? I, I think that was probably widespread, not just Israel, but other countries as well. Generally, the oldest son was the next in line to be heir. Mm -hmm. Generally, the next one to be king. It doesn't seem to be that way in Israel, or at least with David. David did not assign him to be the next king. Yeah. However... You know, he thinks, I guess, like a lot of people with human wisdom and thinks, hey, I'm next in line. Right. You know, the kingdom is mine. It's mine by right. I need the kingdom. I need to be the kingdom. Well, Scripture tells us that back in chapter 1, 1 Kings 1, that David has grown very old, mm -hmm. very sick. Mm -hmm. And he's really, it appears just from reading it that he's almost on his deathbed. And so on that occasion, Adonijah decides to seize the moment. This is his opportunity to grab the kingdom before Solomon is anointed king. So he leads a rebellion. But when this rebellion starts, Nathan comes to King David and in essence tells him this rebellion is going on and you need to do something about it. This so, is the prophet Nathan, right? Yeah, okay. Nathan the prophet. And so they, they go ahead and they quickly anoint Solomon to be king. And so Solomon now is officially recognized as king. Mm-hmm. Now, here's where the story takes a wrong turn for Adonijah. Adonijah probably should have been put to death because that's generally what kings did in those days. If someone led a coup against you and it right. failed, right. You know, it was your life. Uh -huh. you, know, you better be careful. Uh -huh. 
if you, if you try to overthrow the king. He had tried to and failed. But out of the graciousness of Solomon's heart, he spared his life. But he did give him a warning, and he said, don't do anything else. Mm. I'll spare your life. He probably said, hey, you're my half-brother, and all. I don't want to do anything bad to you. So you told the line, and all things will go well. Did that happen before David's last-minute advice, This, where Solomon tells him, you know, you get this one reprieve? It seems to in Scripture. Okay. It's, it's recorded in Second uh, okay. Kings chapter 1. So he's given him... Yeah. There's, this isn't a three-strike-and-you're-out policy. He's got the one strike, and that's it. Yeah. And then he gets the last-minute advice. And then in the narrative, we move into this in chapter 2 with uh, Adonijah's request, right? Yes. When David got very sick and old, you know, his... His followers came up with the idea that if they could find a young, beautiful woman that could care for him and take care of him, that that would hopefully rejuvenate David. Mm-hmm. It would help him, help him keep him warm and all. And it was, they found a young, beautiful lady by the name of Abishag. Abishag. And they brought her in, and she became a caretaker of David. It doesn't say that she became his wife, but it may be implied that she became like a concubine, a secondary wife. But anyway, okay. she was she was intimately connected to David as his helper. Right. Now there's something symbolic in in their relationship. Yeah. And when David dies and when Solomon becomes king, Adonijah goes to Bathsheba, Solomon's, Solomon's mother, mom, okay. Solomon's mother, with a request. And he says, You know, the kingdom should have been mine. And the people wanted me to be king, but it didn't work out. The Lord wants Solomon to be king. But I have one request for you. It's a little request. I'm not asking very much. Can I have Abishag? So Bathsheba takes that request to Solomon. Right. And and I'll just say that I think our audience, as they hear you say that, they know that's an ominous request. Yeah. But But maybe for our culture today, we might, if we were just reading that casually, we might skip over that there's a lot more to that request than, than what's said. So could you maybe break down, you know, Solomon's response? I know I'm kind of jumping ahead of your, your the way you're telling this narrative, but Solomon gets really mad and we might get confused why he gets so mad. So help us understand what Adonijah is asking when he says, can I have Abishag? In ancient times, women were pawns, used as pawns, politically speaking. Mm -hmm. And the wives and concubines of kings were very important politically. And if a king died, let's say, and was replaced by a king from another dynasty, one of the first things that king of the new dynasty would do would be take those king's wives and make them his wives mm. because that's a symbol of power. Right. You know, the taking the wives of a king are a symbol of great power. Yeah, Absalom did that to David's wife, uh, concubines, didn't he? During his when rebellion. When he overthrew, tried to overthrow David, one of the first things he did, you know, was go into David's concubines. Mm-hmm. He erected that tent on the wall, mm-hmm. and he did it for all of Israel to to show his power, Right, that he has taken his right. wives. Well, 
it seems that's that's what uh, Adonijah is doing here. Right. It's not like, you know, she was a pretty girl. I'd just like to have her for a wife. There right. seem to be some political some political shenanigans going on uh-huh. here as well. And all. It could have been like this. You would think that normally Solomon would have said, well, sure, brother, you know. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to take uh, the kingdom. I'm going to have a lot of wives, or I'm planning on having a lot of beautiful wives. And what's one? You can have her, no problem. But as you mentioned, his reaction was completely different. David ex- or Solomon exploded right. with anger. Right. You know, he likes like he erupted uh-huh. with anger and all. And he accuses him of trying to take the kingdom over. Yeah, he, he says that specific this phrase. He's asked for a woman, but Solomon's response is that you're asking for the kingdom. What's going on there? Well, again, if you, if you, if he takes that woman, you know, then he's going to say to the rest of Israel, "Look what I've done. I'm a pretty powerful guy, you know. I, I've come away with one of David's wives. Mm-hmm. He's got political aspirations, you know. Maybe we're reading between the lines, but Solomon sure saw it that way. Yeah." And Solomon saw him as an enemy to the kingdom. Uh-huh. That if this continued, this could possibly lead to a new rebellion down the road his way. So Solomon basically puts out a, a death sentence on him. Wow. You know, his own half-brother. Yeah. The Bible says in verse uh, 23, Then King Solomon swore by the Lord, saying, May God do so to me, and more also, if Adonijah has not spoken this word against his own life. Now, therefore, as the Lord lives, who has confirmed me and set me on the throne of David, my father, and who has established a house for me, as he promised, Adonijah shall be put to death today. So King Solomon sent by the hand of Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, and he struck him down and he died. He died immediately. There was no waiting on this. He said he's going down today. And Benaiah, is that right? Benaiah, is that how I pronounce that? Uh, it's as good as okay. I can come up with. Okay, it. from the southern part of the United States, that's how we're going <laughs> to pronounce it. Um, Benaiah's kind of his personal hitman, right? This isn't the only time he's going to show up in the story. No, he's going to be more in the story as well. He's he's the one that's really loyal to Solomon, and he's a powerful, mighty soldier. Yeah. And he will become basically Solomon's general uh-huh. after this. He's going to be put in charge of Solomon's bodyguard, but he, he, he shows an allegiance to God as well. So he appears to be a faithful man, unlike uh, Joab, whom we'll talk about in just a minute. Yeah. Joab was faithful to David, but we're not always sure that he is faithful to the Lord. Right, right. Like we, we, nobody knows that you and I have already had this conversation because as I was getting things set up, but just to let others know about it, we were surmising that uh, Joab, used God as a means to an end, whereas it seems like Benaiah has a, a faith in wanting to keep God's law, especially when he has to try to get Joab out of the temple here in a little bit. Um, so Abiathar, since we don't want to get too far ahead, Abiathar now is the first enemy to be taken care of. Adonijah. What did I say? You said Abiathar. Abiathar. Okay. Well, I'm getting ahead of myself. That's our <laughs> second one. Adonijah. Adonijah is our first enemy to be taken care of, and he's executed. And, um, yeah, that he, he broke the one-strike policy. But we move into this second one, which is Abiathar, 
So sorry if I've confused any of our audience, but Abiathar um, was a priest, and maybe you could flesh out how he gets uh, what's coming to him, because he was he was faithful for so many years under King David. It's kind of just a really sad ending for him. It's a tragic story, the story of Abiathar. It goes back uh, many, many years before this incident here. As a young man, before David was king, he, he went to the tabernacle. He fled to the tabernacles running from, from Saul. Mm-hmm. And the high priest was a fellow by the name of Ahimelech. And this is where David asked for help with food and David asked for help with the sword or right. the weapon, any right. kind of sword. Well, there was an enemy there watching by the name of Doeg, Doeg the Edomite. Mm-hmm. And he reported back to Saul that that David was there. So ultimately, Doeg, Doeg brought about the death of Ahimelech and all the priests. Yeah. Saul called them in and had them all put to death because he thought they were uh, uh, helping and uh, helping uh, David to escape. Aiding and abetting. Aiding and abetting. That's what I was looking for. (laughs) Thanks, son. You can read my mind. (laughs) He had a son. Himalek had a son by the name of Abiathar, and Abiathar fled to David in the wilderness. Mm -hmm. Remember, this was before David was even king. And so he became David's priest, in a sense. He traveled with David, and, of course, he would be able to offer the sacrifices and things that were necessary. He was to be with David. So he, he spent his entire life with David, 40 years. David was king 40 years. Now, at some point, David had two priests. Right. One named Zadok, one named Abiathar. Okay. Evidently, the reason that there were two is because the tabernacle was located in one place and the Ark of the Covenant was located in Jerusalem. Hmm. And one priest was over the tabernacle and one priest was assigned to work with the ark. So David okay. had two priests, Zadok and Abiathar. Now, when Adonijah led his rebellion, Abiathar sided with Adonijah, as well as Joab and some others. They sided with Adonijah against Solomon. Yeah. And so now then, since Solomon has been anointed king, he decides it's necessary to get rid of these enemies because if he doesn't, they will be a source of trouble to him the rest of the time. Mm-hmm. So the second individual, the Bible mentions that that is taken care of. Now, he's not killed, but he is exiled. Right. And he is removed from his work. The Bible says this in verse 26. And to Abiathar, the priest, the king said, go to Anathoth to your own fields, for you are deserving of death. What you have done is deserving of death. He mm. says, but I will not put you to death at this time because you carried the ark of the Lord God before my father, David, and because you were afflicted every time my father was afflicted. Mm-hmm. Solomon looked back at, at Abiathar's life and said, you were faithful to my father for over 40 years. Yeah. You were with him. You were a spiritual influence upon him. You helped him. You helped carry the ark of the covenant. You did all these wonderful things, but you really blew it at the end. And he said, you're worthy of death for this rebellion, but I'm not going to do it to you because you took care of my father and you faithfully served my father. So he's, you know, of the two that we've read so far, he's gracious to both of them. He gave them both, you know, Adonijah he gave 
an opportunity, and then here he's pardoning Abiathar. Is he just putting him out to pasture? He's going to go back to his family land and, I guess, just spend the rest of his days in the Levite community that he came from? Well, I, I read this was exile. He was exiled oh. back to his land. I don't see this as going back and enjoying a good retirement. I see this as you're sent home, behave yourself. Just like he said to Adonijah. You know, he said Adonijah initially that, uh, you know, what you've done probably is worthy of death, but I'm not going to do anything if yeah. you'll hold the line. Probably the same thing here. I'm sending you home. Behave yourself at home. You know, don't do anything else because if he continues down this path of rebellion, then I'm sure that he would take into account the need to exile, the need to execute him. But he chooses not to. Right. He he shows him mercy because of his father, David. Yeah. OK, well, and I guess because Benaiah has in, in at least in the scriptures, Benaiah has just executed Adonijah and then he talks to Abiathar. Solomon's words are mean business because he didn't uh, let Abiath he didn't let Adonijah off a second time. He told him, "You get one chance, and then you're executed." So now he's given Abiathar that one chance. It seems that he just because he's no longer in the narrative, right? Abiathar's kind of out of out of the Bible at this mm -hmm. point. Yeah. So we we assume that he took. Solomon's warning pretty seriously as far as we know you know the Bible doesn't really say but I think we're safe to assume that that he went home and kept his nose clean mm -hmm. while he was home <laughs> I want to back up on something oh, one okay. thing I forgot about Adonijah that I wanted added at this point Adonijah so the 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 first guy yeah the first one I think Adonijah perhaps thought that Solomon was young wet behind the ears and inexperienced and he thought that he could bluff him when he asked for oh, that wine. Okay. And I think he learned very quickly, the hard way, right. that Solomon was a lot tougher cookie than he thought. Right. Solomon was, uh, even though he may have been young and experienced, he was, no, he was no pushover. Right. And unfortunately, Adonijah learned that the wrong way. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> he, t he gambled with his life and he lost. Mm -hmm. He took a chance and he lost. Right. Now he, we've, he called he he made a bluff, and Solomon called that bluff. Yeah, yeah. Now we've we've talked about Adonijah and we've talked about Abiathar, but neither of those were mentioned by David in his last minute advice. But the next two are. Yes. Uh, the third one that we'll we'll consider and, and look at is Joab, and he was, if there ever was a man of blood, it's Joab, and he's one of David's great helpers in. Uh, his early days all the way through to the end. But l like the other two, if you could just take some time to maybe flesh out who he was as a person, I think it might help our listeners as we talk about how he meets his end. Joab is an extremely interesting character for a lot of reasons, but one of the reasons is that he is a relative of David, a very close relative mm -hmm. of David. He is David's nephew. Now, David had a sister by the name of Zeruah, and she had three sons, Joab, Abishai, and Azahel. And their house must have been a wild house with those boys <laughs> growing up. Yeah. Because repeatedly, David, in exasperation, would almost throw his hands up and say, what do I, what do I have to do with you, you sons of Zeruah? Right. Because they, they, they are a load. Uh-huh. But anyway, Joab 
appears to be David's general on a lot of occasions. Joab is ruthless. Yeah. He's brutal. Mm -hmm. He's harsh. He easily sheds blood. Mm -hmm. But in all that, he appears to be very faithful to David. He's very shrewd. Yes. He's a shrewd man. And you know the way Jesus talks about the shrewd manager, I kind of see a, a shade of Joab in there that you know, the Lord isn't in that parable isn't blessing the shrewd servant as though what he did was morally right. But he is saying, well, he he knew what to do to take care of business. Mm -hmm. Joab's that way. He he takes care of business. He acts. He acts quickly. He strikes quickly. He he doesn't dilly dally around when he's going to do something. He does it quickly and immediately and ruthlessly. And he, he killed some people in cold blood. Yes, he did. Which is why he's going to that's that's. Why David advised Solomon to execute him because there he broke are several the law. examples of people he killed. He killed Abner. He killed a man named Amasa. Uh -huh. And he is responsible for killing David's son, Absalom. Right. But what's interesting and some of these things, you know, we talked about before we were on on air. Sure. Here. So we well, they don't sorry. know that. So we'll, this is like we're having it the first time. <laughs> so we'll have to fill that in. But when when David and Solomon especially when David says that Joab needs to be put to death. He says he shed innocent blood. He's a murderer. He's killed Abner, and he's killed Amasa. But it's interesting, David doesn't say anything about he needs to be put to death for killing my son Absalom. Right. Because Absalom was killed in war. Right. He was enemy David and killed in war. And while David, no doubt, blamed Joab and was hurt because of that, you know, according to the law, mm -hmm. that that he couldn't do anything to Joab because for that, because Joab was was acting according to the law to mm -hmm. kill the enemies of the state. Yeah, but these other two were murdered mm -hmm. both times. Uh, both times Joab kind of comes up to him and appears to be friendly, right, and deceives him and kind. Of, I see him putting his arm around him and you know, oh brother, I'm so glad to see you and all right. that. And while they're sitting there enjoying one of his presents. He takes his dagger or whatever mm -hmm. and he stabs him. And Doesn't he grab one of them by the beard to, like he's going in for that brotherly kiss? Yeah. And, yeah, gives him a shank Abner, in the belly. Abner was the, the general of the army of Israel. And he is the one that really is the one responsible for bringing the kingdom of Israel to right, David. He right. was going to deliver the kingdom to David. That, in that civil war between Saul's house and David's house, Abner's the, the one who turned the tide towards David by bringing but, the army over almost. But unfortunately, Abner had killed uh, Joab's brother, Azahel. Right. But remember, this was in war. Uh-huh. You know, and that's, that's fair in war. And he gave him a lot of warnings he before him. he killed him. Asahel was fleet of foot, fleet as a gazelle, and was chasing him down. And and Abner repeatedly told him to turn to the left or turn to the right. But finally, you know, to save his own life, he just basically seems like to me like kind of held out the blunt end of his, sword, his spear, and Asahel just ran right into it and killed right. him. And Joab did not forget nor forgive that either. And so later on, Joab has the opportunity to meet Abner. And like we've said, he pretends to be friendly and everything and basically stabs him and kills him at the gate of the city. Yeah. Gruesome. It, 
it's hard to, you know, you hear that, but then this is also a man who, uh, he was shrewd about when David was making wrong decisions. He would very quickly either make a right decision or tell David, you're wrong and you need to do it this other way instead. Yeah. So he's just such a, a mixed bag. He's a ambiguous character in many ways. Well, we've talked about this a little previously, that, that of all the characters in the Davidic story, Joab is the most interesting to a lot of people. <laughs> he's such a unique character. And all. He, he always appears. And, and even those times when it seems like David's trying to put him down, he kind of rises to the surface again. Yeah. He's always around. He's always doing things. Yeah. But unfortunately, like we've mentioned, he's ruthless and bloodthirsty and he kills people. Yeah. Now, as David has grown older, he has reminded Solomon that this man is a murderer. And according to the law, he needs to be taken care of. He murdered Abner. He murdered Amasa. And so the time has come. Mm-hmm. Solomon is going to fulfill the wishes of David. And so Joab flees to the tabernacle and goes into the tabernacle and goes to the altar of burnt offerings, the bronze altar, and grabs hold of one of the, one of the horns. There are four horns on the four corners of the, the altar, of in, altar of burnt offerings. And he grabs hold of that. Now, yeah. it appears, I don't know if this is a belief that came up among them, but it's almost like he's claiming sanctuary. Right. You know, right. back in medieval times, if someone did something wrong, they would run to one of those big Catholic churches and claim monastery, and supposedly the local authorities couldn't come in and get them because they claimed claimed that, that right to freedom. And it appears that's what, he's doing at least that seems to be what they're thinking right and adonijah had done the same thing before mm. he he had gone into uh, the the tabernacle and grabbed hold of the horns and claimed sanctuary as well yeah and that's when solomon spared his life yeah so solomon offered him clemency so now joab's done the same thing uh-huh and benaiah into the tabernacle and grabbed hold of the horns and you know he's evidently claiming sanctuary and benaiah the hitman He's not going to go in and get him on the first yeah. round. He's this is this part of that evidence that he was a, a righteous man. That he, he seems to yes, he seems to not want to go in because remember this is the this is the the tabernacle, and only priests were supposed to go in there. Right. So he's a little hesitant to go in, and so when he appears, Joab says, "I'm not coming out. You come in and get me." <laughs> Basically, I'm kind of right. paraphrasing, if you don't mind. Yeah. And so he doesn't want to go in. Uh, Benaiah doesn't want to go in. So go back. he goes back to David, or rather Solomon. And he says, what do you want me to do? What should I do? Yeah. And that's when Solomon says, basically, you go in and yeah, get him. Go in and kill him. You go in and take care of him. The Bible says in verse 34, So Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, went up and struck and killed him. And he was buried in his own house. In the wilderness. Hmm. So that's the third enemy now that Solomon has taken care of. Adonijah was executed. Abiathar was exiled. And now Joab was executed. Now I know Benaiah is a, a minor character in our study today, but I just looked at that next verse, verse 35. 
the king put Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, over the army in the place of Joab. And so that, that's what you were talking about earlier, that this, this uh, royal hitman is now the, the royal general, and he seems to be a pretty steady presence, unlike Joab, who was kind of chaotic. Mm. He, he's respectful of the, of the tabernacle, He's also respectful of the king's wishes, and so he's obviously made a, a wise choice about putting Benaiah. But we're not done. There was still the the fourth one in your study, and it's specifically the second one that David mentioned. That David, in his last-minute advice, said, you need to put Shimei to death. So he's a, a character that, that doesn't have a whole lot. It'd be really helpful maybe if you'd take a minute to remind us all who he was in David's life and how it's come to this. Shemaiah was a Benjamite. He was from the tribe of Benjamin and is from the house of Saul. Mm-hmm. So he, he is a relative of Saul somehow. I don't know that the Bible says exactly how he's a relative, but he's from the house of Saul. Now, a few years before this, when Absalom led his rebellion against David, David and his family and close followers had to flee from Jerusalem. They right. had to get out of there because if they stayed, they had been in big trouble. So and they was, fled. It was like a walk of shame. Yeah. As they were leaving, this character named Shemai shows up and begins to throw rocks at David <laughs> and begins to curse David. Yeah. What in the world is going to happen to Shemai? Well, you're going to have to come back next week if you want to find out the answer to that. Or, you know, you can always go and read the Bible and find out there too, but you'll miss out on some of Doug Edwards' wonderful storytelling. And I can tell you as one of the two boys who grew up in a house with dad, uh, dad's storytelling has always been fascinating, uh, wonderful. And I think I love it now. Um, I'm not going to say more than I did as a kid, but I love it more now because I'm a father myself and getting to experience my my dad as a storyteller, but then also him as a grandfather who is a master storyteller. is uh, It's a treat, and I'm thankful for the study we've had so far. We've not made it to the Christian application yet, but we have been laying a foundation uh, through these three, these first three characters who have received a either death an execution or an exile sentence rather execution or exile uh, from King Solomon we've seen that Solomon is really trying to establish his kingdom and if you come back next week you'll get to listen to the fourth person Shimei receive judgment from Solomon and then we'll make some spiritual applications in the Christ- Christian age that I think are going to be very very helpful and very very meaningful meaningful so Come back, and until then, you can go to the website, www.pureandsimplebible.com, and there you can find a lot of free resources to use in your Bible study and in your outreach with others. Until then, this is Jonathan Edwards. Always remember, God loves you very much, and I do too. Lord willing, see you soon. Well, I'm here to tell you a story, a story that is true, about a judge by the name of Gideon. He was a man like me and you.